This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And welcome, everyone, to the first ever ITP Film Friday installment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, here we are. We're... Covering a film. Covering a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a thing. Yeah, it's a happening. thing. We've yeah. had a couple of beers. What? We've watched the movie. I literally have had one drop of beer. What? Oh, it's a cider. It's well, a cider. And then I, now I'm onto a cider. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Anyways, that is irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) What we're here to discuss tonight is a fantastically creepy film, mm -hmm. perfect for the Halloween season. Yeah, definitely. And that would be... The Witch. Mm-hmm. So a 2015 film. And we put this out on social media beforehand. So just just to reiterate again, definitely spoilers. Oh, yeah. Definitely spoilers. For sure. Because this came out in 2015. Yeah. So spoilers are abound in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, we... It probably we re- always will be. <laughs> we, <laughs> love, we love films and uh, everything in the genre of the paranormal and uh, horror and things like that are huge inspirations for the regular Into the Portal episodes yep. that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, it kind of all started with us, I think, with like older stuff. Like we got on to oh, yeah. YouTube and we're watching like old 1940s sci-fi and horror and stuff like that. And then this is before we were doing the show. At least for me, anyway, I kind of remember us doing that. And then we started watching the In Search Ofs and those types of things and then got on to the other paranormal podcasts. Well, you could even argue before that, we definitely had some exposure to more paranormal type type experiences, or not experiences, film experiences yeah. in uh, university because we took oh, an awesome true. class. Totally. Um, what was that called again? It was just uh, like... Um, horror, I don't know, what was horror it Horror and post-humanism in film or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. And it was basically, it explored a lot of um, themes related to monstrosity, otherness, the abject. So that is that which is wholly other, that to the extent that it creates a horror within oneself to kind of uh, witness it. So something like Frankenstein would be a great example. You see something that you just, uh, yeah, you're familiar with it, yet you can't explain it at Mm -hmm. the same time. It's human yet inhuman. Right. So very creepy. And And obviously there was a big component of that that talked about... Uh, even just like post-humanism, so the idea, or even transhumanism, like cyborgs, like what is the human? Does the does the soul reside in the mind and the body? Is it right. both? Can you separate consciousness? Is can you upload consciousness? Like all these types of really cool questions. Well, that, that is we definitely ask more of a modern theme these days. Like when yes. we were watching Black Mirror, that's like every episode. Oh, yeah. and uh, some of the Ooh. later seasons of that yeah. show. Yeah, that's a cool one. Really cool. Mm-hmm. But anyway, tonight, I mean, yeah, we're getting into an aspect of all of this but it's just um definitely going back in time a little bit for this movie yeah and dave eggers not dave eggers <laughs> oh definitely not dave eggers that's uh, an author <laughs> <laughs> but um robert eggers okay. i actually i'm kind of wondering if there is some sort of familial connection there but anyways haven't looked into it that'd be interesting to see. i wonder but um yeah he this was his directorial debut right and it's funny like he is kind of a weirdo he really wanted it to be authentic. Like, he's one of those guys that's very, like, artsy with his films. Yeah. 
from what I've read, at least very, very little what I've read, but he, he actually considered this more of like a, a very mainstream film for him to make. Really? Yeah, he did. He, he actually, it was a genre film, obviously horror, whatever. Sure. Um, but he didn't like to be pigeonholed really. Right. But he wanted to be the most authentic version of the film he could be. So he worked a lot with, uh, the British museums um, overseas, and then over, of course over here oh, in like see, the New England so museums, cool. things like that. Yeah, just to make sure he got all of his sort of yeah his periods right, all the clothes, the what they would have been eating, wearing, doing everything. Right. So yeah. really, like yeah, did his due diligence with that, which I can really appreciate, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. stuff like this. Yes. Why don't you give us a breakdown of the film? Okay. I know you, I know you have that ready. Oh, I there. got so it. Ready. So let's, let's do that, and then we'll get into it. All right. Well, it all starts in New England in 1630. The opening scene is basically a family getting banished from their community and their church. It's, it's like a separatist type of thing. And they're forced to go and live off the land alone on the outskirts of a nearby wood. Right. That scene um, of them just like in their cart, hey, just <laughs> trekking it into the open nothing. Yeah, and I'm looking at <laughs> like, it and I'm like, I don't want to... I, I struggle with not like cracking jokes when it comes oh, to like, you, things you like this. Because you it's crack like, jokes I, all the time. I know, it's so hard, but it's just like literally that scene. It's so awesome and creepy because it's just like the... that's. We'll talk about the sound in a second, but like the wailing sound as they start to like leave mm-hmm. the village. But then I'm looking at it and I'm thinking like, hey guys, in about 200 meters, you're just going to hit solid trees. Like, what are you going to do with that cart? <laughs> You're going to have to get off that cart in, like, yeah. a couple hundred feet here, guys. Like, it's I know, right? Far. But they're like, whatever. We're going to take the ride for yeah, now. Right. And then there's that one really brief... This is a very thematic for the um, director's style, where you see just a very brief image. It goes from that day light scene of them, and it's very long shot, a very long still shot. And then you get just another still shot that's very brief, very... Um, what's the word, like contrasting, I guess, okay. right? And it's at night and it's just the fire and them just alone in the woods. Yeah. And then it just goes right to the day. Showing and then their that's, vulnerability. Exactly. And it's a really strange scene too, the transition from that scene to the next because that's when you get the father, William, with his face in the dirt and you think he's like dead or something or something happened. Like, oh my gosh, like the, the witch already got them. <laughs> but he's actually just praying to the earth because they found their homestead essentially. Right. They found the spot, and they're all in that line, knelt down. And that's very, like, there's something about how pious this guy was the entire time that just kind of rubs you the wrong way a little bit, you know? Well, he rubbed the whole village the wrong way, so they kicked them out, Exactly, so they left. And so, essentially, the film begins with this as the transition, and the sort of, yeah, like, um, opening scenes, and then tragedy strikes when the youngest son infant samuel is snatched from the family in a bizarre instance in which he has been entrusted to the sole care of the eldest daughter thomason Mm. in a haunting scene of hide and seek which is kind of very telling for the way the rest of the movie plays out where the family is continuously seeking out a baby that they'll never find that will ever always evade them yeah um essentially um the family, yeah, so they they lose this baby. Samuel is taken in an instant. And there's a very brief, like, scene, a camera shot, where you see an unknown, fast-moving figure cloaked in a dark shroud, but also cloaked in the forest around her. Because mm-hmm. the shot is taken from very far away. 
and you see it, you see the baby like crying, or you don't see the baby, but you hear the baby crying. Sorry, that's my way of like. But anyways, <clears throat> the most terrifying scene of the whole movie happens soon after. Hey, right. have to agree. Yeah. Freaky man. All right. I'm going to get into it. Go for it. I'm getting into it. Well, okay. There is a bit of a brief moment where you do see the family shown in like mourning, essentially. And uh, they're sort of going about their daily activities. You see the father and the eldest son going out to search the woods. Yeah. And this whole premise is that a wolf has taken the child. And the father actually lies about it. He says that he's seen wolf oh, tracks. Which he, of course, hasn't. No. Anyways, meanwhile, <laughs> the witch is at work. You very see freaky. a very close-up shot of Samuel being carefully placed like a prize pig on this worn surface. His naked, innocent body is wriggling as he smiles, looking about in the darkness around him. You see the witch in the background preparing unknown instruments and substances. She caresses the child, then grabs hold of an object off screen. And then you see a long, jagged blade placed under Samuel's throat, across the surface of the young child's belly, and then cut to black. Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah. And that is that essentially... sets the stage for the whole <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah, <laughs> really. Um, so to come back to the be- the beginning of when Samuel gets snatched away, mm-hmm. I thought that that was really well done, and obviously that's the what they used for the trailer for the theatrical trailer where yeah. Thomason is playing peekaboo with Samuel, <laughs> and on the third round of peekaboo, she op- she moves her hands and the and the infant's gone, and I just love that she looks up, and of course the witch is so fast, and it makes you wonder because there's a shape shifting element to this story where the witch appears as multiple different creatures mm-hmm. and, and or you know is you know can move without being seen basically right and basically, that was the yeah. scene right so she looks up and you just see basically a little wisp of the the, the tall grass as if something had just passed by mm-hmm. but then the actual wood itself is you know another hundred meters past that yet it's already gone it's out of her sight mm-hmm. gone and then the, what you just just described where that that long wide angle shot and it's a side, like it's from the side, yeah. as if you're watching like a race go by, mm-hmm. and it's just this, this, uh, yeah, this, this hunched over, figure, yeah. this, oh, it's just the most decrepit looking humanoid figure. With such an innocent crying, like you know, yeah. accompanying it as she just kind of hobbling, which is funny, right? Because it's like you're you're there and gone in an instant, but then the next scene is like this hobbling mm-hmm. hag, like thing exactly. that can like almost hardly move. Yeah, you know. So that's that's interesting it's almost like a trickster element for sure Mm -hmm. but who are they trying to trick in that scene you know what i mean like or is she just giving up the the facade just giving up the facade because there is definitely well how many creatures does it transform into there's the the rabbit the rabbit that's a big one um the the goat well there's the element of the goat she doesn't transform into the goat black philip isn't her so black philip we're kind of bouncing all over right now, but I guess that's okay because we're just discussing the movie and we're assuming that you guys have seen it. Um, <laughs> black Philip is, of course, the the black goat 
horned goat that yes. the family has. Mm-hmm. That the two youngest children, Mercy and Jonas, are constantly playing with. And it seems so innocent um, in the early stages of the movie. Playing with and just, communicating with. Right, but of course you don't know that at the beginning of the movie. You think they're just saying that? Yeah, oh, like, it's just kids, saying it's that. It's just like, kids talking to animals, right? Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. same way I talk to the dog. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Of course, if I did that in 1630, I might that might not well, turn out so great. And one day, if you come to me and say, oh, Stella told me this, <laughs> I think I might be concerned. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> She, she's not the sharpest knife in the drawer either, so if she told me anything profound, that would be the concerning part about that, I think, not the fact she had spoken to me. But anyway. Um, well, okay, so we've gotten to the point where the baby's taken. And now what we begin to see after that is sort of a gradual dissolution of the family to a certain degree. It's really interesting, like, we we discussed this and said, like, when we watched this the first time, it was way more effective as far as it being scary, but the second go-around is a lot more interesting, because you, you do see... You notice a lot more. You see more about the characters, right? You yeah. see kind of their their shortcomings, their... Um, their the, sins. Ex- the sins, exactly, especially the father. And you see, obviously, the the brother coveting his sister in some scenes, and then he eventually succumbs right. to the trickery of the witch in the form of a whore, Yeah, you could argue. He's, like, like fighting it, right? Like, he, he, know, he knows what he's feeling. Because he's raised like, as a Puritan, whatever, right. like, settler in the New England era of, like, 1630, so come on. Right. Like, you think one bad thought, and you're automatically going to hell you see an ankle and that's it you see an ankle (laughs) put that in the bank right yeah so after this scene there are definitely some more important scenes as well like i think we should maybe go back and forth with some of our favorites i am curious to see what your favorite scene was um oh gosh like not favorite scene scene but just like a few that kind of stood out sure 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 along the path i think one of my one of the most telling scenes i think comes shortly after actually a few things do happen in this scene so essentially uh oh gosh so, okay, so the father comes back and he ends up having a, a row with Black Philip, who's going, he's running amok all over the goat. And so he ends up slipping and Thomason, the eldest daughter, is charged with the task of cleaning his pants. So she takes them down to the river mm. and she's scrubbing them away and, you know, doing what a good daughter should, like she's always doing. Yeah. And you even see in the very in the very first scene of her character, it's her praying as if she's, like, not good enough and that she wants to be better and she wants to be more involved in the faith and, like, whatever, and be more holy and pious. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of, that's interesting, right? Because that's kind of her character setup. Yeah. But... She's kind of on the fence between the rest of the family and, or at least her mm-hmm. parents where she's, like, not, yeah, she's not living up to the piousness of her. But that's just it, though. Why? Why? Like, how? Like, she's because never never done anything. <laughs> well, but anyways, <laughs> that's, that's irrelevant, sorry, really. Sorry, sorry. But... Um, the point I was going to make was the scene itself, right? Like, she's doing a good deed. Like, she always does. She never really talks back. The only time she ever talks back is when she gets to her breaking point with her father because he is in sin himself. Right. But anyways, we'll get to that. But essentially, she's there cleaning his clothes, and then you see the eldest 
son Caleb walk over and then that's where you see her him like kind of side glance and looking at her cleavage <laughs> he's like oh no I can't be doing this but, right. and then she catches him and she's all like what and whatever and, but she doesn't get it kind of thing yeah anyway so there's that part of the scene too but what I found to be the most interesting part is when Mercy one of the fraternal twins that's constantly in communication with this black Philip character the goat <laughs> which <laughs> which is creepy which is really very interesting but essentially she comes out with this notion that it's a witch who stole Samuel. And that is very, very interesting because no one has suggested that at all at this point. No. Not even the crazily like religious parents that were like, oh, if, if, if our child was even taken by a wolf, it had to be the work of the devil. It had to be the work of a witch because like what else would do this kind of evil yeah, or something? Yeah, exactly. But even they haven't gone there. So Mercy is the one that really introduces it, and it actually originates with Philip. So that, to me, is kind of an interesting point of note. Like, Philip tells her that exactly. it, was, it was a witch, but then, she makes, but then she also says, like, I've seen her about in her cloak yes, in the woods. Yes, exactly. Which is just, like, bone So that is me. very odd. And then you get the turnaround where, essentially, Mercy's trying to scare Thomason, but then Thomason gets up and she kind of starts to stand up for herself. And at first she's very um, austere, very, um, you know, like she's on the ground. She looks very, whatever, she's all in white. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as she stands up, she kind of darkens a bit. And yeah. she's very, um, much more formidable. And she basically outright says she's a witch and that she's made a pact with the devil and all this stuff. And scares her sister, actually tackles her to the ground, which is like, you know, it's kind of taken it a bit far. But I guess if you're angry and upset and whatever, then... That's she that. had it coming. Really. She she kind of did, yeah. But I just thought that whole scene was very interesting, and I couldn't take my eyes off of their eyes because their eyes were black. Like you look at them, even Mercy's eyes are are super dark. Like because they almost, were already gone. You think that's oh, well okay. That, that, well yeah, because Ooh, they were already, already under the trance of Black Philip. I guess so. Hey, they were under some sort of demonic trance already. They're always prancing around, chanting. And black Philip, and, Black Philip. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, like, the Shining-esque. Uh, oh, and that is very interesting you say that because um, of the scene when eventually Caleb falls under the witch's spell as well, and they all three of them go down at once. That's weird. Yeah. And some people, like, you could chalk that up to, like, I originally just chalked that up to, like, oh, well, they're all the most innocent, so they're the most vulnerable and right. the most, like, open to that sort of susceptibility. Well, that is always the most, like, frightening thing about these stories, and it's all, like, kind of, like, it takes away from the, well, of course, this is a folkloric tale, and they mm. said that right at the beginning of the film. It's, like, it's very cool, actually, how they introduce it. It's, like, in all in cursive, and it says, like, The Witch, A New England Folk Tale. Yeah. I, I thought that was really neat. Ooh, it's presented very, like yeah. a fairy tale, like this, very much like the real fairy tales that we know. It's like an Aesop's fable or something. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly, right? It's, but there was a, I don't know, there's something very, like, dark about that how it's like it's like a fairy tale we all know and love but it's like also gonna like take drag you into the woods and cut you open and mm-hmm. cover you in its blood merciless um i sort of lost my train of thought there a little bit uh, <laughs> it's okay we can move on to the next thing it'll come back to me um what else did we want to talk about here well that was just one of my favorite scenes um we were just discussing that right. one particular one okay. but obviously there's as the film progresses and the characters kind of unravel there's a lot more to it and essentially like i think i want to ask you this question like what character did you find most interesting in this whole film um okay well 
man, it's, I, I guess that was kind of my train of thought before there. Like the kids are always the ones that attract evil. Right. And this mm. whole movie is focused on the children. I think, I think Caleb and Thomason are kind of the two most interesting characters for me. Okay. With Thomason kind of edging a little bit ahead of Caleb just because she is the focal point of the film. Mm-hmm. But they're interesting because they're dealing with different aspects of sin being different ge- gender. Mm-hmm. And Caleb being a little bit younger, he realizes what like they're that they're destitute. And mm-hmm. he is trying to like be a man in like yeah. the one scene when he's going to venture into the woods, right? Yeah. He's... I don't know. There was just something... I thought the first time we watched the movie, of course, we don't know how it's going to end. And I thought that I didn't think this was going to be the type of movie where everyone dies type Mm -hmm. of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And Caleb, I thought Caleb might sort of come out not on top, but kind of shine through. Yeah. Like, or at least the the person that his father wasn't kind of something along those lines. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Because he is very like even in the very opening scene, right, when his father turns away from I don't know who it was, like the leader of their community or their church or whatever, and he basically leads them out of the room. Caleb's the last one. Cal- Caleb there. is, but no, it's not actually Caleb. He turns to go and Thomason is still there like this and he's like right. he, he almost leads her out as if he's almost like guiding her as an elder brother, not a younger brother kind of thing. Yeah. So he is very mature. Right. And the fact that he did want to sneak out that morning sh- shortly after Samuel is gone and they fail because they do him and his dad do end up trying to go and get meat and they end up losing their oh no no they don't end up losing their He um, shoots himself in the eye <laughs> back the Oh gun that's it. They they lose the buck. There is a buck which I think was probably the witch. Was that what it was? It was yeah. the rabbit. It was the rabbit. She was, she oh, was trying oh, to right. shoot Oh, right. It was rabbit. a rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so it was interesting. So it's like, oh, like, praise be. Like, those are, I'm like, dude, like, that's like three bowls of soup tops, bro. Like, yeah, what are you planning on surviving the winter off rabbit. one rabbit? I know, right? And then he's just not even, he's not capable. He's not and a what? hunter. He's not able to provide, right? Yeah. So that's another reason for Caleb trying to step up and be that person prematurely, you know, because right. he doesn't even really know what he's doing. And he doesn't end up leading him and Thomason yeah. into danger. They end up losing the horse, losing the the catch, because they actually did have something in the trap that they had set. Yeah. That is another interesting part of the story, too, though, because that leads into the father's deception. The fact that they own that trap isn't known to the mother, Catherine. And he ended up, so William, the father, ends up trading Catherine's father's silver cup so like a family heirloom yeah unbeknownst to her and trades it with i think he says the natives right yeah the local local right the locals and then so they end up getting this trap so they can provide some food for themselves because he can't shoot or shit right (laughs) and uh and then yeah that comes into play too because he ends up keeping his mouth shut when Catherine starts blaming thomason for stealing the cup yeah and so he's he, a coward. He is really a coward. Yeah, that's, he is the most. He is the least likable. No, he's he's the worst. Pious, like right, yeah, overly pious as a justification for his shortcomings, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and he, but at the same time, it's like you don't expect that from him because he comes across as just this hardened, grisly, like big bearded, like yeah. gnarly Even kind his of dude. Voice, it's like, how do you? How do you? argue against that voice like it's it's, so deep (laughs) it's so deep it's like it's crazy oh man 
it puts Barry White to shame deep. It kind of like, does. Yeah. And he's just this skinny... Well, he's pretty friggin' ripped, man. Like, there's, like, tons of scenes well, of him he's just chopping the wood. Chopping wood because he's pissed. He's yeah. always mad. And so you know what's funny? he's chopping the wood. That is the only thing we see him be competent at. Chopping wood? Yeah. And obviously he builds him a house, too. So I guess he can build a house. <laughs> But you know what I that mean? That was another like, quick turnaround. They didn't really give, I guess, it, what they say, six months later or something? Or four months did later they, or something? Did they give it to I don't remember if they did mm-hmm. that or not. But he I kinda, didn't catch that. He whipped up a house and a shed pretty fast. Yeah. Well, it had to have been a whole harvest, right? I'm assuming they probably left in the spring. And then... Built it over the summer. They built it. Because they had harvest, winter. right? By yeah, the time yeah, yeah. we see them again, they have all their stocks well, of corn And that's already another ago. interesting thing about this, too. Because the fact that their harvest was just dead like they basically they they had a failed crop as if the place they were living in next to the wood was like a cursed mm-hmm. land yeah and the, that was interesting to me in relation to the fact that this the silver cup because he trades the silver cup with the local uh indigenous people who have traps in the area well what is their take on this lore That's you know what i mean it. like this they're is completely like, absent in the story right hmm. so is like is this is, is this like only seen as a like related to the Christian like Christian faith because of the context and this is a skinwalker to this to the people that they traded Ooh, the silver cup with. Yeah. Or right? Like is well, it just yeah. an entity that is evil in general? Or are we dealing with segregations of different like aspects of paranormal activity potentially that's like this is a, this, this is just a movie but i'm talking about the totally where though. it comes from right no like exactly the, the story and it's it's bizarre right because obviously in the last the, the closing scenes of the movie uh black philip has a conversation with thomason in which he relates the fa- like if you join a pact with the devil is basically what he says like sign your name here and he presents her with this book um, so that is very obviously a, a Christian oriented, um, type of whatever <laughs> stuff happening. No, right. But I mean, like, that's because I mean? that's her. That's, so that's, you think that's, that's just her lens? Like, that's her epistemology, right? Like, she's been brought up as the, like, X, Y, Z, that's all she knows. To add to that, you see all the women that are in performing these rituals are all white. At the end of the Seemingly. film. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. firelight, so you can't really see. It's not very clear. And they are definitely... Eggers is very deliberate in what he does not let you see. That is the most effective part of this film. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you wrote it down here where, where like, you know, at the end we were going to say, like, would you recommend it or not? I'm jumping to that right now, even if you're not quite there. Because <laughs> that... <laughs> is that is what make or break, makes or breaks this movie depending on who's watching it so like we watched it for the first time all these like the cut to black mm-hmm. with the scene with samuel the yeah like the showing lots of shadows um the implications of horror and then the sound like the 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 audio the more effects visceral, the audio yeah. effects are like the biggest part of this film but like we were recommending this movie the to audio, my yeah. cousin Darren and his wife Vanessa over the Thanksgiving Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And to be totally honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they hate this movie. Probably. Because they are the horror movie people who like Slashers. typical horror movie. Yeah. Like they watch This the, doesn't give you that satisfaction. This only gives you the a, satisfaction different if you're willing horror. to let your imagination go there. Like you yeah. have to be open to it. 
It's not going to give it to you on your own. No, it's not going to give it to you in your face. No. Like a lot of other directorial styles. This is in your head. This is in your mind. It is. And a lot of that, it comes from, like you said, right? The auditory effects. And it's interesting because I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Let me see here. Oh, Mark Corvin, sorry. He was the one that wrote the film's score. And this was a quote. He said he wanted it to be tense and dissonant and minimalist. Definitely and was all three of those It's things. interesting because he was acutely aware of how much control Eggers wanted over this film. And so he actually just went with a very loose, improvisational form where he knew Eggers could tweak the notes and put them where he wanted them. So you know when you get all those like weird strings and stuff? And he actually used all very atypical types of instruments like a waterphone and a, oh, a nickel harpa. Nickel Harpa. I don't even know what that uh, is. I don't but know. But every he everything had to be not electronic. Eggers vetoed all of it. See, that's what made it. That's what truly made it like sound terrifying because it's always those authentic, those authentic sounds, right? The strings, the 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 choir. Like that was the, the voice. The, the voices to me were the mm-hmm. most impactful in the film, where yeah. it's like. Oh, and they changed the pitch, right? So it's like this wailing, like this slow building wailing of a of a female choir. But then it will, but then half the choir kind of drops it low, and then the other half raises it up yeah. way high. And like exactly. I, I don't, I'm not, I didn't pay attention in music in my <laughs> up till grade six or whenever it was mandatory or whatever. But like that, oh, it's just I don't know what. It's that, very dissonant. Very oh, mm-hmm. super effective. Very cool though. That, like to so, me, like that's the. So you're last, saying you'd recommend it. I would recommend it to certain people. If you are if you are an art student, you'll love it. <laughs> it's an artsy fartsy film, a little bit. It kind of is. Like, it, like, and the dialogue doesn't lend itself to a lot of mainstream. That's the funny part for me, right? Because Eggers called this like his mainstream, like genre oriented, blah 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 film that was like easily digestible, right. but it's not. It is actually. not easily digestible. I, I'm in, putting like, words in his mouth. He didn't actually say that. I'm saying like. Whatever, like okay. that would be his but like, version but of like, it, but like right? mainstream. But enough. like even the dialogue, right? Like the way that it's they, essentially the phraseology old, of like everything. It's, it's not old English, but it's the closest it's like thing English. to old. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah. And it's interesting too because he wanted to be so authentic. He did all of his casting in England, and he wanted it to be exactly like how it would have sounded when an English family arrived on the shores of New England. And that's exactly what he. And that's what it would have been. And what mm-hmm. did it make us think of? The Lost Colony episode. Oh, the Lost, I was like, uh, I <laughs> because sixteen thirties, sixteen thirties on the East Coast. What was oh, the year yeah. for the Lost for the Roanoke again? Um, I believe it was like fifteen eighty four. Right. So this isn't that really that long after, if you think about it. A few it was decades. Like fourteen eighty four. No, it was fifteen eighty four. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Fifteen eighty four. But the point around. is, like early settlement. It's like, well the the potential things that could have happened the imagination can run rampant definitely anyway so another thing too like you kind of jumped ahead though we've kind of talked about our specificities i don't know if you have any other main points of note or like favorite scenes or anything that you found more effective I def- or not effective okay well, was there I- anything about this movie you didn't like um no honestly there's nothing i didn't like there's a few things that i wanted more Oh, true. Um, so, Actually, yeah. So, yeah. for example, the scene with Caleb where he um, gets lost in the woods and then ends up being essentially beckoned into the witch's lair. 
again, right. that's into her where, embrace. Right. Into and that's embrace. where he sticks with his theme of leaving it to the imagination. Yeah. Um, where she he's going to kiss the wench and <laughs> right as it's about to touch lips or whatever, you it turns back into the witch mm-hmm. and you hardly see anything, so it's still left it's to just the, the imagination. Hand, the claw you see. What I would have wanted that I thought would have been really effective there is like you still keep the oh you know, the the whatever, what's the word I'm looking for? The you still keep that Minimal, darkness and darkness, minimalist, okay. minimal, mm-hmm. minimalist, you know, aspect to it. But instead of just cutting from that, you show that it cuts to the witch that split second where it turns back into the nasty witch, and then have a distant shot where it's almost like the silhouette of that witch hag figure, mm-hmm. like doing something not good. No. You know what I mean? Like sucking the life out of Caleb, but like from a distance Ooh, where you or, can't quite tell what it is. out of focus and it's literally focused on like a branch, like a leaf yeah, blowing. Sure. And then you see something Exactly. Going on like in, in the back corner. Yeah. yeah, where it's all blurred or something. It, totally. That I think that would have really been cool. just added a little extra horror to that if scene. there's like a extended cut. I like, wonder. Deleted scenes. <laughs> I don't know why you would cut that one out if they had no, that in there. I'm but sure, I, I just I'm thought sure right in that moment I wanted a little more. I just wanted a little bit more from that scene. Because then you literally just see him, yeah, get like sucked into her embrace. And then that's it. And then that's it. And then you get a scene where Thomason wakes up. Well, she doesn't wake up. She, she goes out. Everyone's upset, no, no, no. obviously. She was no. But that's when she isn't. Right after that scene where that's happening to Caleb, that's nighttime. And then she was unconscious because she got bucked off right, the horse. Right, right, And after, right at the end of that scene is when she kind of like is like, whoa, okay. whoa, and gets up and then goes and then she runs into her dad. That's what happened. Right. Because there's always these, yeah, exactly. There's these moments of sort of an interlude kind of a feel. And so essentially what happened, yeah, she runs into her father's arms. They go home. She's kind of implicated again, right? Because there's another missing child and she was alone with them at the time. Even though she was doing the responsible thing. Caleb was venturing out into the woods. She's the older sister. She's like, I'm coming with you. And she does, she does honor him by not admitting to everyone openly the secret that he wanted her to keep. Yeah. The reason they were going to She is the best. She gets the worst end of the stick. She really does. Because then even more bizarrely, right? Like she goes to do the right thing where she's going to put the animals to bed or something, or I don't know if she was going to milk them, but I think she was putting them to bed. And then she's in there with the sheep, and she hears something, and then it's pouring rain, and she sees her brother. So she's the one who finds him, too. Right. So in her mother's eyes, she becomes suspicious because she's like, what What just happened here? Like, okay, my son's been missing. But you, you were with my youngest infant when he was taken, and now all of a sudden, here's my son, but he's delirious, and he's like close to death essentially yeah and you've just brought him back to us right so what's going on here right and so she is obviously like just marred with suspicion right can't even look her own daughter who she's already trying to get rid of mind you right she does not like thomason it's weird right there's a very bizarre separation between mother and daughter oh yeah you only it's almost like a jealousy right because she's the young maiden she's the young maiden and then yeah she's the the older right matronly whatever that's kind of on the end of her even though she's are cranking out another kid like she was breastfeeding in one of the main scene well not the main scene but in one of the earlier scenes yeah so that's kind of interesting i really like that dynamic though because that to me speaks to another type of sin sin against your own flesh and blood like why would you have that kind of 
hatred, not hatred so much, maybe a jealousy. You know what I mean? Because, like, there is that conversation where um, the mother and father are in bed and they think that the kids are asleep and they're basically discussing trying to find a family for Thomason. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not sure. Honestly, you could interpret that, though, as they're just trying to marry her off because she is mm-hmm. at that age, That's right? kind of, like, what, how I interpret it. Yeah. It's, like, one less mouth to feed, you know, yeah. you know give her off to somebody of else. And then it's... Outlived her usefulness. Yeah, and, and then it's, like, she might marry And she's a witch, into, so let's get rid of her. <laughs> right. You don't get two birds stoned at once, as Ricky would say, right? You know right. what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Trailer Park Boys. Um, um, no, but, yeah, I, I honestly think that's a very interesting dynamic. I yeah. feel like that's kind of a little bit more of an old school mentality, too, you know? Like, well, the whole obviously. mother-daughter kind of thing. Well, of course, it was 1630. Yeah, I know. But anyway. <laughs> but I just think I think it's very realistic. Is all I'm trying no, to say. No, to- no, totally. No, I agree. I think that was that definitely added to the just the tension overall, right? Because mm-hmm. there was nothing for Thomason to fall back on. There was no love anywhere. She no. got it a little bit from her dad, but only because her, her dad, dad almost was, just felt sorry for her. He, but he was almost just going through the motions. Yeah. And same way he was going through the motions with his, his with his piousness with his yeah. re- with his you know religion. He, Very true. You know, and with his wife, especially, too, hey? Like, oof. Oh, man, I think he regretted everything. Day one. Day <laughs> one. Just, you know what? He's just shaking his head. He's like, you know what? I think I made a few wrong turns. Well, but that's just, that's funny like, you say that because she, Catherine, is the one that comes out and says she regrets ever leaving England. Right. And so she's, like, basically, like, F all you. Like, I don't know why I'm even here. And then she just goes berserk, goes insane, and has yeah. a vision, right, where the witch comes to her and bewitches her. This, again terrifying like this kind of comes close to the baby scene in my opinion as far as the scare factor because like the fact that you're under a delusion that you think you're nursing your newborn infant this is what i was gonna and bring you're up. legitimately getting pecked okay by... so like this is, yeah so let me just set this up because okay. this is my favorite this was my favorite scene in the movie because totally well, i think go. i think this, to it, i think this was the most unsettling visual in the whole film yeah where yeah where she's under the impression that she's talking to Caleb, yeah. and Caleb has handed her Samuel, mm-hmm. and she's having this vision. Oh, and this is after Caleb has died. Right, Caleb has now died. Mm-hmm. He's had basically like a exorcist-like moment where mm-hmm. he's speaking, not in tongues, but he's basically mocking Jesus. Kind of <laughs> Right, like he's it. basically like, being like, you know, bathe me in thy kisses, oh Lord, and he's like writhing on the ground or whatever, and it's like they're not quite sure yeah. what to make of it all, and then he just dies. Yeah. And it's like clearly this is like he's mocking God. It definitely right? comes across <laughs> that way. Um Yeah. Which is like there's which which adds so many elements of like just scary things to this, right? So there's demonic possession, there's a a, a demonic shape shifting en- entity in the woods, and then there's also like mind control elements without yeah. actually the witch being present even. Mind control so, and, and she can like conjure visions. Right. So yeah. like you have Catherine sitting in a rocking chair in the empty in like an empty room nothing else in the room nothing in that else. scene without she her, in a her rocking arms chair outheld as if nothing she's in a baby. it and her and her boob getting pecked by a crow yeah her or a raven yeah yeah like bleeding mm-hmm. that's profusely and then the next scene you see her husband she they're both in bed uh, and he gets up and he thinks that she's still asleep but she's not, and her eyes open, and she looks like an insane woman. <laughs> she looks so scary because her hair's undone. Yeah. That's one of the telling signs, right? Like she's, no, she's a woman the... undone. Right. She has been driven insane by yeah. this witch, yeah. killing off her kids. Because that's essentially what she she becomes just 
completely inconsolable after the loss of Samuel. Right. And so her character is just like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm living anymore. Like, even though she's got, like, four other kids in the house. Which she doesn't even happen to notice her two twins. Like, it's like the whole movie. She, she just lets them go. It's them. like, just go out to the barn. And then, and then they literally weird, lock man. them in the barn. They yeah. lock the twins and Thomas in the barn. They're like, you know what? We can't trust any of you kids. No. Can't trust any of you kids these days. It's no. like, oh. So they're like, all sleeping in the barn. Not going to take any responsibility, are you? No. Like, you're just going to lock your kids in the barn. That's bizarre to me, too, because they were in a, like, they were almost hexed themselves, right? They were. Because as soon as Caleb dies in the room, they similarly just drop to the ground. And I honestly, the first time we watched it, I thought they died, too. Because they were, like, speaking in, they were speaking in tongues, right? They weren't making any sense. And then, Sam, or sorry, not Samuel, Caleb was going off about his, like, yeah, like, kind of mocking the Lord and totally. all this Totally. And you know what? That actually just, I just had a realization here because I wrote down, I was like, well, at what a point? At what? At what <laughs> point along the way here does Thomason actually kind of become under the spell of the witch? And it's not really until the very end. It's not. Yeah. It, you, they make you think that it could be earlier mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. where it's like possibly like even the scene with um, Mercy, the with, of the, yeah, oh, or yeah. that where the blood comes out, or mm-hmm. with Mercy, even where she's saying that she's a witch. Mm-hmm. I just think they're they're right at the wood, and I just picture the witch standing. 20 feet away like mm-hmm. watching all that and almost controlling that situation yeah almost but that's but that scene with caleb where he dies and the twins go, go down, down on the ground and you think that they're faking it but they're actually they're not. not but then and it's trying to, implicated again because she's the one standing that's up. and that's the whole point that's why yeah. they that's why the witch has made them do that or the devil mm-hmm. or whatever so that it looks like it's thomason right the question i guess with me paranormal wise with this movie is is there two kind of things going on here Like, is the goat controlled by the witch, or is the witch its own demonic entity, and then it's also just the wherever the region they're in, or however, there's a demon in this goat, too, that's, like, kind of helping the situation along here. I honestly think that... Because it's, like, a male voice in the goat. The demon... Sorry, the demon... The devil, I would call it. I think the devil is Black Phillip. In, in in Black Phillip's form, right? But he is taking other forms too, right? In the form of perhaps other farm animals and other farms nearby and, right. and, and little and settlers that are making their little homesteads. And then essentially, I, I honestly, that's what I feel is the most... Okay, so he is almost like the overlord, the spirit that can inhabit different creatures, different whatever. And then you get him influencing and taking over exactly that like he almost has like a band of witches now right because he has a book and there was other signatures in the book right when you see it opened up yeah and then you see in the very last scene right you get there's probably about a dozen or so naked women floating up in the air and they all yeah they have the power of black philip within them or the devil or whatever and they're they're all under his same spell though it's just one big cult of witches that's my take on it I don't know. What's your what's your take on it, people at home? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, we, that's, we, that, that brings us to the end. I think so, because really, the only thing we haven't touched on is exactly that. So you get Caleb dying, you get the twins being bewitched, you get them all locked in the same room in the, in the barn, and then you get the father, well, before even the father wakes up, you have that scene, right, where essentially the witch is sucking the side of the sheep and then just takes... eating it. Then, just, yeah, just, just eating like it. Eating. But the sheep is completely fine. Like, it's not even It's like in a reacting. trance. It's just like letting exactly. itself be eaten. It honestly probably thinks it's nursing its young, too. That's what I'm imagining. And then you get where it turns on the two twins. And then you get the scene 
or the mother, like I said, she's a woman undone. She, her eyes open up and like, you know, like she's almost like in just like some sort of crazy rage or something. I don't even know. You see her bloody boob. And then the father is basically stunned by what he sees outside, right? Because his entire farmyard is destroyed. <laughs> and then, and then just like, boom, he's just impaled by Black Philip. Yeah. And then he basically, his demise is soon after. Yeah. And then you basically get the scene where Thomason is attacked violently by her mother and is forced to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and then that's where she almost goes into a shock and she goes back into the cabin, falls asleep. So you get these transitions, right? I feel like the day to night, like I feel like Eggers used that very effectively to sort of juxtapose things and to sort of create those transitions that are very natural and minimalist. Definitely. And it's almost like, yeah, naturalist style that is more of a implied sort of thing. Like, you know, it's, it's, for me, it was brilliant. I loved it. I loved it too. And I, w- I thought it was totally effective. Definitely. And so highly I would recommend, recommend it. it. I mean, and of course you guys listen, we hope you've watched it yeah, already. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on it too. So, and even if you haven't, there. and even though there's a billion spoilers in this, go watch it anyway. It's definitely worth it. Mm. Um, if you were just listening to this, we can't you do nothing else to listen to, but, uh, descriptions here. no, and we want to know what you guys think because yeah. there's a lot of cool aspects to this. It was definitely a different kind of a film. Uh, it's different than some of the other ones we have that we're going to cover. Yeah. Uh, such as the thing Ooh, or yeah. hold the dark mm-hmm. or the ritual. The ritual um, that was freaky. We got a long list, and we've had some really awesome suggestions. Ooh, Donnie from Darko, you guys. Donnie Darko. We have to portals, time of travel, course. anyways. <laughs> um, and keep them coming. So keep um, the shoot us uh, ideas. Yeah. Uh, get us on Facebook on a Into the Portal Podcast forum. You can email us at Into the Portal Podcast. Or sorry, into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. <laughs> um, yeah. at into the portal podcast on basically everything else on Instagram yeah. and everything else. So yeah, Come hit join us the up. Forum. Definitely. We, love to, we just want to get the conversation rolling, so we really do. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this and uh, we hope you're spooked. Um, we hope you believe in witchcraft. Although mm. yeah, just beware if you're walking. Let's keep into the it woods. in the sixteen thirties, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, until Sunday. Yeah. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Network.com.